Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a war going on. Russia has invaded Ukraine. Missiles are fired, bombs explode, buildings collapse. People are hurt. You've seen it in the news, I'm sure. If you're like me, you're checking the news often to see what is the latest development. Perhaps you're concerned that our country might be dragged into a war. Maybe you don't think that's a possibility. You may feel quite comfortable knowing that this war rages thousands of miles away from us. It's distant enough. Surely we're not at risk of an attack. I'm not quite sure what to expect from Russia or Ukraine or China or any other nation for that matter or from our own nation even. But we have more pressing concerns. God gave the prophet Joel a vision of utter destruction. The book of Joel uh, that we read from today in our Old Testament lesson is only three chapters long, but it packs a punch. Our passage tonight is from the midpoint, and it is a turning point. In the first chapter, Joel describes a plague of locusts which devour everything. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Joel calls for repentance. Put on sackcloth and lament. Consecrate a fast. He warns that judgment is near. He looks out at the last day. He says, the day of the Lord is near. Joel was calling Israel to repent of their sin and to turn back to God. Blow the trumpet, he says. Let the call to repentance be declared unto all. This message of the coming judgment of God was given to Israel. And those who are familiar with the history of Israel know, uh, you'll recall, that Israel oscillated between uh, turning to sin, turning back to God, turning to sin again, turning back to God, turning to sin again, turning back to God. Oscillating is probably not the right word. It's more like a roller coaster. They were on a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, turning back to God. They would fall away into sin, and in sin, God would judge them, smite them, and then they would turn, and they would repent And they would be forgiven. And then God would come and rescue them. I mean, you can even uh, picture the Exodus. The Exodus. God brought the Israelites out of, uh, up out of the land of Egypt. And he did it with a mighty hand. He literally showed that he was dominant over all of the Egyptian gods. All of the plagues attacked one of the Egyptian gods, you know, the sun god. Yeah, well, guess what? It's going to be dark, and God made it dark. So he did all this, and the Israelites saw all of this, and what did they do? All, they even said, all of this we will do when they heard his commands. But did they? No, they, they built a golden calf. They're like, this golden calf that we built, this is the God that brought us out of the land of Egypt. 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> but we find that we might find that hard to believe that Israel that the Israelites would do that. But we do that. If we're honest with ourselves, we do that too. So we don't look at Israel and and uh, look at them and as though they're a disgrace. We that's who we are. We can relate to them. So Joel says, blast the trumpet so that all will hear. This is a message that needs to go out. Consecrate a fast, Joel says. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Yeah, outward piety is fine. There's nothing wrong with outward piety as long as it's a reflection of inward piety. What Jesus says is don't be like the hypocrites who go around putting on a show. Doesn't mean you can't talk about your faith or, you know, drive home tonight even with a charcoal cross on your forehead, you know? That's okay. That's not, this isn't like some outward sign of piety that Jesus is condemning. He's just saying that your inward piety and your outward piety need to be aligned. So don't put on a show. Um, And what's more important is rending of the heart. Rend your heart, as we read in the psalm lessons, uh, the psalm lesson tonight from Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. The psalm says a broken and contrite heart Oh God, you will not despise. And so Joel enjoins us to rend our hearts. If you have your own righteousness, then you don't need a savior. If, if, if you don't, if you have, if you're already righteous on your own because you do all the right things, just like good choir boy, and then you don't need a savior. The problem is you don't. And I don't. No, 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 no one does. That's the problem. Nobody does exactly what the law demands except Christ. Nobody can do that on their own. Once you come to that realization, you know, once you can come to the point where you say, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I'm really, really far from it. (laughs) Once you come to that point, that's, Contrition, that is a contrite heart. And that's what God desires. That's what God wants. He wants the contrite heart. He wants the person who says, God, I need you because I don't have this myself. So in the midst of this call to repentance, Joel relays a promise to us, a promise from God. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Very familiar, right? Well, we sing that too. This is from Joel, and that's what we sing in our uh, Lenten verse for the gospel reading. Return to the Lord your God. The promise is that God is all of these. He's gracious. He's merciful. Slow to anger abounding, overflowing, you know, just abounding in steadfast love. Return to the Lord God, Yahweh. Joel uh, continues in chapter 2 and verse 32 to say, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. So we repent, not as those who have no hope. Repentance and a contrite heart are not synonymous with despair. To the contrary, we have the promise that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I wanted to uh, share an account of Peter and John. Um, You can read about it in Acts 4. When Peter and John were before the rulers and the elders and the scribes that were all gathered in Jerusalem, Peter had healed a, a lame man, a man who was unable to walk. Peter had healed him. In the name of Jesus, I say to you, arise and walk. And he was healed. So all of the Jerusalem council cornered Peter and they said, we want to know by what power you're doing this. And this was Peter's response. Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And here's the the final word from Peter. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. God has revealed that his salvation comes to us through Jesus Christ. Rend your hearts, repent, and then call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and know that all of your sins are forgiven. All of them are wiped away. Your sins are forgotten in Christ. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.